0: Astronauts don't cry wolf. When they said they had a problem, I realised they had one. Nobody panicked. No one put their head on the desk and cried. No one threw a fit. Everything was done very professionally. The Interplanetary Podcast. The exploration of space for the benefit of all mankind. Your hosts here in London, Matthew Russell and Jamie Franklin. There we go, Matt. Big Jack. Was that Big Jack Luzma? Not only a legend, he's our Astronaut of the
1: Week. And do you know why he's our Astronaut of the Week, Jamie? It would have been his 21st birthday on Saturday, wouldn't it? He almost went to the moon. He had his Apollo flight cancelled. So he was going to be on Apollo Mm -hmm. 18 or 19 or 20, but didn't go.
0: Wait a minute, Matt. I must have made a mistake by saying it would have been his 21st birthday. No,
1: it is his 21st birthday on Saturday. Oh, man, this is crazy. Yeah, I know. He almost went to the moon. He almost went on the Apollo-Soyuz uh, mission as the backup crew. Mm-hmm. But he did actually pilot Skylab, and his uh, astronaut fellow astronauts on that were Alan Bean and Owen Garriott. Clang. He's also the other Jack in the conversation that went like this, Houston, we have a problem. So that was Jack Swigert Jr. Whoa. During Apollo 13, of course. And uh, Jack Luzma was the Capcom. That's crazy. Yeah, actually, the, the the sentence wasn't, Houston, we have a problem. It's actually, Houston, we've had a problem here, is actually what he oh. said. Yeah. So it's even though it's one of the most famous lines of all time, it's not actually correct. But
0: uh Well, it's the same as the moonwalk anyway.
1: Yeah, it's a little bit like that, yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: One small step mm. for man. It's a man, Neil. Uh, yeah, I think he did say a man. It's just a little bit of radio crackle, his bit, southern drawl. Yeah, I think we'll yeah. let that go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was 250,000 miles away at the time, in a pretty stressful situation, yeah. I should imagine. Um, yeah, so I yes, say Luke, so. Luzma has 4 He's got four kids, despite it only being his twenty-first birthday on Saturday. Wow! Have you figured it out yet, Jamie? I haven't. No, Carry you on. haven't. So he was commander of STS three, the third ever space shuttle flight, and that was Columbia on another test flight where they rigorously tested all the aerodynamics and stuff. Uh, and it was the first flight mm. with that with uh, the orange-looking tank. I.e., they didn't bother painting the uh, big orange tank uh, white. He spent 1,619 oh. hours in space. He narrowly missed out on becoming a Republican senator. Uh, and and the only reason why oh. he didn't is because he kind of let it slip to some Japanese businessman that is uh, – one of, a member of his family had a Toyota. And apparently that's enough in America to uh, – to say that you're just not <laughs> patriotic enough to be a, a Republican senator, damn so, Carmy, <laughs> you, you damn Kami! buying a foreign car. So yes, that's so. <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> he's travelled around the sun 84 times. There's a little clue, uh, what have you achieved, Jamie? What had you achieved at the eight, at, uh, on your 21st birthday?
0: Well, I think you know this story about me. Um, cleverly deciding to put a whole packet of opal fruits in a bowl, like a like a little miniature apple, and then trying to eat it in one and nearly nearly choking. <laughs>
1: that was your twenty first. That was your t- yeah yeah twenty first so, birthday yeah. So so have you figured it out yet, Jamie? Figured it out. I haven't. No. What date is Saturday? What date is Saturday?
0: <gasps> Matt, it's only a leap year. It's a leap year. It's the 29th of Feb. I wondered what was going on. I was very confused.
1: Jack is Michigan's most famous leap year baby. Matt, has anyone asked you to
0: to marry you this year? Uh uh
1: well, it's it's not Saturday, yet, is it? Oh, well. Do you know what? I got told off la- I got told yeah. off last week because you know we uh we wished uh the Kelly twins a happy birthday. It was it was also mm. it was also the Mrs.'s um 50th birthday. Oh, oh happy birthday, Lottie. Jamie we've been doing an awful lot of science recently so i thought we'd just we, have. M- we would dedicate this particular episode and i might I, I what what do you think to having a um one week each month as a sort of space newsy episode I quite like the sound of that yes yeah, so we we have been getting very
0: cerebral haven't
1: we Yeah we've been getting a bit physicsy so i think once a month and that way you know if you're just more into the kind of Rocket stuff and space news. You you can um, you can just tune into that <laughs> once a month one, and we we yeah. need, needn't bother you with the physicsy stuff on the on the other three episodes. I think that's a good plan. So the first up, Jamie, uh, there's an astronaut on the International Space Station called Andrew Morgan, who is an army colonel. Oh, okay. Yeah, and he this week uh, swore in to the military seven new students from Lawton in Oklahoma. Uh, and he did it from the International Space Station and it was beamed out to 130 other locations. How cool would that be to be sworn into the army by an astronaut live from the International Space Station? It's quite a cool one, That's a tick off the list. Tick off the list. Now a sad one, Jamie. Oh, it's not going so well. Well, it's not a sad one because 101... Is a very big number. Are we agreed on? And when it comes to age, for, living to 101 sure. is that, that you've smashed it out the part there. You've got your letter from it's the Queen. Great innings. It's pretty impressive. It's goddamn impressive, in fact.
0: It's really impressive.
1: Catherine Johnson, made famous, of course, by the film Hidden Figures, yes. has died at the age of 101. So, one of the very first African American women to work at NASA. It was so long ago that it wasn't even called NASA so she in 1952 yeah. a, a relative mentioned that they were hiring math, mathematicians she was offered a job by naca the uh, national advisory committee for aeronautics before it was called nasa it was called naca which is quite funny isn't it I didn't know that and she accepted the job in june 1953 so she worked in from june 1953 in an unimaginably long time ago incredible yeah she worked as a computer In an office labelled Coloured Computers. (laughs) Wow. Things I I hope have changed. Just a bit. Here's my little impression. I was working with Ted Skopinski and he wanted to leave and go to Houston. But Henry Pearson, our supervisor, he was not a fan of women. Kept pushing him to finish the report we were working on. Finally, Ted told him, Catherine should finish the report. She's done most of the work anyway. So. Ted left Pearson with no choice. I finished the report, and my name went on it. And that was the first time a woman in our division had a name on something. Incredible, amazing story. Amazing, amazing story. But if you should, if you even kind of think to yourself, ah, she's just someone working in the office. She really wasn't. She calculated the trajectory for Alan Shepard's first American in space space flight. John Glenn himself insisted, even though NASA had started using electronic computers, the big IBMs, he Mm. insisted that uh, Catherine Johnson uh, should uh, verify the numbers and he wouldn't fly unless she'd done so. Christ. I mean, when
0: John Glenn's saying that, you know you're doing well.
1: She calculated the trajectory for the Apollo 11 uh, flight to the moon, and she was more concerned about, of course, the trajectory back. Um, she worked on the Space Shuttle program and she worked on the on on all the trajectories on the Mission to Mars um, programs. God, she it just co-authored goes the 26 scientific papers. She got the Presidential Medal of Freedom from Barack Obama.
0: I sent you a WhatsApp, actually, just while you were talking because I got sent from my good mate Smith... A really lovely Reddit image. So when you've got time, have a little look at that. Make your heart warm. And maybe I think we should put the image up on uh, Instagram.
1: What's a little bit odd is that someone mocked up a Lego uh, figure of her and she refused. So, yeah, she could have been immortalised in Lego. Oh. But uh, she wasn't. Oh, yeah, that is quite a cool picture, isn't it? Yes, cool, I, isn't I shall it? stick that up, Jamie. Good, good call. There we go. Have put here in the notes 101 is five in binary coincidence. Oh, tell you what, it's got it's just had to be <laughs> now. In other sad news, 70, however, is too small a number, I think. So, this oh. one was a sad one. This one, this I wouldn't have known about this one had uh, Bob not stuck it in the uh Discord. But okay. Heather Cooper, who I absolutely loved when I was growing up, like mm. literally Heather Cooper is, was one of those TV uh, astronomers that I absolutely love. She's absolutely brilliant. She was on all those sort of kids programs. She was on Sky at Night. She did the Channel 4, the planets, uh, the, the so show. Yeah, she did the original The Planets and then she went on to do The Stars. So she... She was one of the best ever science communicators on TV, and she and she Mm. passed away last week. And I didn't know she was only 70. I didn't know that. That's really quite. Yeah, no, that's quite sad, isn't it? 40 books. She wrote over 40 books on astronomy and space, and just loads and loads of articles. So she was an absolute legend. Complete legend. Definitely one of my big influences. Sagan, Moore. She's up there. Boo hoo.
0: Rest in peace. So
1: yeah, rest in peace and thanks very much. Um, yeah, cheers. Jamie, so there's some SpaceX stuff. Oh, finally. where have, What have they been up to? Plenty of drinks here. So SpaceX has announced a partnership with Space Adventures.
0: Makes that, sense. Uh,
1: could mean that next year we start seeing five-day trips into orbital space two or three times higher than the space station.
0: I wondered when they were going to get involved with this.
1: Yeah. Four seats
0: available. Virgin won't be happy.
1: Well, it's funny, isn't it? I think in some ways it validates the sort of space tourism model. And of course they the True. ticket prices are gonna be vastly different. It looks like, you mm. know, the tickets are for Virgin Galactic at a sort of two hundred and fifty thousand and up, which as a lot of people have pointed out, that's cheaper than your kind of average Uber rich holiday, which just makes me want to mm. vomit, but never mind. Um, but yes, the these tickets will be insanely expensive. If you think that the Soyuz seats were about $80 million, it's it's gotta be kind of at least in that kind of order of magnitude. In that so ballpark, ten, yeah. tens of millions of dollars. So quite a bit more expensive than the Branson flights. But we'll- but We'll
0: probably get a
1: discount, though, won't we? Musk has already phoned me up to say that us two are going to be 15%. the, the first, first to go up. Yeah. No, he's just going to give us for, for free as long as we... What? He, says, he, said, he said to me, he said, Matt, as long as you're kind to me on the podcast from now on, you can have a free seat on the Dragon. I said, no, mate. I cannot We're independent. change we my not be swayed. journalistic integrity just for a free seat on Dragon. So sorry, Jamie, I, I blew our chance of space <sighs> travel. But, it, but a lot Jamie you should be proud you should be proud that my integrity was more important and your integrity I was thinking more of your integrity if I'm if I'm honest <laughs> you're always thinking about my integrity I like <laughs> I'm, that. I'm always thinking of your in- in- integrity uh yeah. yeah I mean I wonder what sort, I wonder if there's going to be a gift shop inside the dragon capsule where you can buy like small like dragon key rings and stuff like that when you go up it's gotta be right
0: well I would like to Go up on SpaceX because, as you know, Matt Virgin <laughs> didn't reply to my um, my CV letter, my cover letter, to to be a cabin crew on the Galactic. Still haven't had a reply.
1: Oh, my God. Branson sorted I out. I mean, not even a no thanks but thanks. Yeah. I mean, come on. Well, talking of Branson, do you know he's going he, – I, I keep forgetting that he said he's going to be on the first – Flight on the first commercial flight, and of course, yes, Virgin yes. Galactic have um, uh, have been on the stock market for a while now as SPCE and mm. that's been booming. So on on the news of the SpaceX thing, the the share price actually went up. So that kind of does mean that I'm sort of right that it's validating this whole space tourism thing. So yes. you know, commercial space is getting real. You know, this is this is really is big time, isn't it? So yeah, only seven it's private exciting. astronauts so far. So that's that number is about to start rocketing. <laughs> Excuse the punch, good, good, uh, uh, soon, um, which is very exciting. And in the meantime, another of SpaceX's ventures, Jamie, Starship. Have you been seeing those? Oh, don't. Have you been seeing the pictures coming out of Boca Chica? Yeah, it's ridiculous. There has been a a Boca Chica girl and people like that have been tweeting their um, pictures of it all coming together. It it looks a little bit more solid, although I noticed when they put some of the pieces together, they're kind of seriously dented. It's really, really interesting Mm. how they're sort of just building a rocket like it's Scrap Heap Challenge or something. It's just amazing. Is there... Is there any launch permit yet, Matt? No launch permit yet. So, but oh. I can't imagine that he's going to have too much trouble. I mean, it doesn't. It looks like yeah. he's going for a uh, it's sometime later in the spring. A twenty-kilometer hop using this vehicle, um, which is known as SN One, serial number one. And uh, mm. yes, it's going to have three Raptor engines on it, and he's going to try and get to twenty kilometers. Elon Musk drink has been very, very, very bullish about uh, one of these others, SN3, 4 or 5, will be attempting orbital, orbital, I remember that's now single stage to orbit as well, which I can't quite get my head around, um, tests later at the end of the year, which 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 is, would just be phenomenal. So, that
0: could be genius. It could
1: be absolutely well, we'll amazing. keep an eye out. Yeah, of course they've got to develop the super heavy, so that they so it can actually do something uh, of of use because easy it's, mate because everything is just it's just going to be carrying itself to orbit and nothing else. Um, so to get to the moon, for example, you, you need a, a nice big booster to throw the Starship up into orbit so it can use its its fuel to uh, travel around the solar system instead of wasting it just trying to get out of Earth's gravity well. It is a well, trust me. So this week we almost had another milestone for uh, SpaceX, although they just missed out. So they just Mm -hmm. launched another uh, astronomy blockers, I mean Starlinks, up into the (laughs) night sky. (laughs) And uh, the booster that was going to be the 50th landing of a falcon 9 booster unfortunately it did not hit course i still love you but landed softly in the ocean so we're waiting to hear why that happened maybe we're just taking it for granted but or it might be the fact that it was the fastest turnaround of any falcon booster 72 days which apparently yeah, is slightly longer than uh, one of the space shuttles took, so it still doesn't hold the record for the quickest turnaround, uh, but not mm. not far off. We won't see that fiftieth landing till at least the seventh of March, and even that is a delayed flight to the International Space Station, the twentieth resupply mission. Uh, by a a falcon and that is an unusual one because they were testing on the launch pad and they found a fault with one of the valves in the motors and they're having to uh, switch out the upper stage which is the second stage uh uh, with another flight ready second stage that was just just so happened to be waiting down at, at the cape which is pretty convenient isn't it god that is nuts well done. Oh, we've we got something wrong with the second stage. It's all right, I'll just use this one. So they've got to bodge around yeah, for a few for a few this. days. And uh, yeah, so we might see the 50th one, not next week, but the week after. One last bit of SpaceX news is that they're gonna take part in military exercises with the US Space Force. Here we go. So they're gonna yeah, so they're gonna be doing live exercises, including practicing intercepting enemy missiles. And drones with submarines, battleships, and space-based weapons. It started. It was bound to happen. Bound to happen. So SpaceX are getting involved with all that shenanigans as well. So it's all go, go, go for SpaceX. Tell you who it's not go, go, go for, though, Jamie. Oh, who? Well, it's your namesake, unfortunately. Oh. Um, Yeah, March the 12th. We are going to have some pretty definitive news about the Franklin. Oh. Sorry, everyone. Uh, Jan Vorner and Dmitri Rogozin were given uh, some reports on the third of Feb regarding the progress of your old Franklin, and they're going to meet on the March the twelfth to agree what's going to happen. So the two major, least, at least two major issues with Franklin. Tell me about it. Um, Tell me about it, eh? (laughs) Definitely more than two. Yeah, it's uh, two major issues. Parachutes, Jamie, the parachutes. Hmm. So these 15-metre parachutes that deploy at supersonic speeds and then the even bigger 35-metre parachutes as well. None of them are particularly happy uh, parachutes, and they haven't really passed the tests that they have uh, did in May and August last year. And it's mainly down to, to the bags, not the parachutes themselves, but the parachute bags, which you'd think would be quite an easy test. However, um, um, the Americans, NASA, have said, yes, we're, we'll help you sort this problem. And put some uh, some time aside to do it. However, it looks like uh, it doesn't fit in with the American schedules particularly well. So one of these really crunch moment tests won't happen until March, which of course is pushing this really really close. That is close. to the envelope of about whether we're going to be able to launch these this uh, Mars rover, Exo Mars rover to uh, in this 2020 launch window and if not we have to wait we have to wait two years to launch it which means we won't see the franklin rover landing on mars until 2023 i can't wait that long i can't wait that long uh there's also been something wrong with the rover itself and uh, and that's something to do with the glue that's used to hold the hinges of the solar panels. <laughs> something's gone. Something's gone wrong there as well. It sounds like something you'd say at school. Yeah, <laughs> something's gone wrong with the glue. Past and the prit stick. It's not only gone wrong on the test model. It's gone wrong on the real thing as well. So it's obviously an, an actual design fault. Hmm. So I can sympathise with ESA. I've also been having problems with my British-built rover uh no longer goes into reverse gear this week that's it's that's the newest thing wrong with it (laughs) which which means i'm i'm driving around unable to uh, go into a parking spot i've got to be really careful i mean it's been an incredible car but (laughs) matt i think you need an upgrade i think i do i I think it's time for a new rover Uh, well a new uh, vehicle of some description yeah, so it's, unfortunately, Jamie, it's not yeah. looking good for the Franklin Rover. And so, yeah, it's not. It's not, is it? But that's okay. We'll be back. We'll I mean, be it's, back. Look, it's better that um, it's delayed at two years than it than it ends up in the same state as the Schiaparelli uh, lander. Bear in mind, only the Americans, only the Americans have landed and operated something on the surface of Mars. Every other attempt has failed. Including the British Beagle, ISA's Chaparelli, etc., cetera, etc. So it's it's blooming difficult. So even when the Franklin rover goes, it's going to be insanely stressful. Seconds of terror will not cover how frightening that's going to be. Matt, you know this. That Franklin's are used to terror. We'll be okay. <laughs> the other thing that I heard that came up on the Discord, and I didn't quite believe it, but I've kind of been, hmm. I've been kind of digging through uh, Twitter and found a French Twitter feed. That, as you know, Jamie, I'm very good mm-hmm. at French and was able to uh, work out the gist. It looks there's some rumblings that Ariane Six probably isn't going to launch this year, which is. bit of a bummer isn't it so that's i think i mean it looks like it's going well on the construction site so i'm only putting that down to this that vega hiccup from last year so yeah it could be yes so well i suppose it's it's hardly a revelation is it that the maiden launch of a rocket vehicle is going to be late yeah, very true. These things happen. We're used to it by now. I might as well have that as a jingle, right? I might as well just fly it in each week, save, <laughs> save my mouth from actually moving. Um, D- delay of the week. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's the new thing. <laughs> Space delay of the week. Ariane Flight <laughs> 252, however, did happen. So the Ariane 5, 108th launch of the Ariane 5, uh, which is 252 Ooh. launches for Ariane in total. That's and a lot. yeah, that is pretty good, isn't it? And there's nine more Ariane Five launches scheduled up until 2023, including, of course, the James Webb Space uh, Telescope.
0: Oh, dare we say it? So yes,
1: uh, Ariane Five successfully launching ten tons of satellite, the JSat-17 and some Korean GeocompSat, two satellites, as it is its way. Well done. Well done. So, Jamie, do you want a bit of uh, Mars? No, actually, I'll tell you what, Jamie, before we get on to Mars news, we should talk about a mission that Mm. that I've been talking about before, which is the MEV-1, the Mission uh, Extension Vehicle. We absolutely should. MEV-1, Jamie, has fa- has actually yeah. reached its target and docked. So it's the first time two private um, spacecraft have docked together, which is very exciting in itself. Um, that is. And, and that's 36,000 kilometers above the Earth that that's happened in a graveyard orbit. So we, we've talked about this before. MEV launched on a proton with our favorite upper stage, the Breeze M, uh, taking mm. up, up. So that took up this um, MEV-1 vehicle. And that has sort of flown up to rendezvous with an Intel SAT 901. Uh, and it uh-huh. will lock onto it in this graveyard orbit and has done and the pictures Jamie are absolutely brilliant because you can see it sort oh, of going see yeah going towards this Intel satellite and um, you can see the earth in the background a single shot of a satellite oh. with a globe earth behind it no composite pictures involved just a you know a crappy camera. No camera trickery. It's absolutely obvious. It wasn't flat. No, it's not flat, Jamie. I keep telling you. Oh. Um. Okay. Yeah. Weird. So yes, it's hooked on, and the whole idea, of course, as we've said on previous podcasts, is to extend the mission of to extend that satellite's uh, life, which is environmentally friendly. Because it costs obviously lots of money to launch these things and build these things and put all these horrible chemicals in them, yeah. and it will it will hang on to this uh, satellite and uh, manoeuvre it for as long as possible. And then when the when the satellite finally gives up the ghost, it can let go and do the same for another satellite. And uh, Northrop Grumman wow. actually want to have a whole fleet of these out there, rescuing satellites, uh, changing their orbits, maybe putting bits together, repairing them, all that kind of stuff. So this is a paradigm shift. It's a it's an amazing um, bit of technology, and it's I think it's really I actually think it's a really important one. Incredible! Wow. Good thing. I know you're in a rush, Jamie.
0: Unfortunately, so that's yeah. why I sound a bit tired, Matt. It's very early. Where, I mean, whereabouts I'm in are you? The great Los Angeles, yeah. my my second home here in <laughs> here in the states. Did you see Busey? Uh, I, unfortunately, I'm not seeing our mate Busey. He's uh, he's swanning around with Brian May around the world. Oh, God damn it!
1: Um, you know, selfish, isn't it? Yeah, he's not little, here to see me. Yeah, it is a bit selfish. But anyway, Jamie, let me tell you some Mars news. Hit me with some facts, So, Mars please. News, yes. Yeah, so uh, NASA released six papers, and they're very worthwhile looking at, on nature. And, yes, it's all about their InSight lander, and it reveals a planet alive with quakes, dust devils, oh. and strange magnetic pulses. Oh, my God. So, InSight's really sensitive to these large-scale and regional weather conditions uh, and dust storms and things like that on Mars. And it's even sort of the images are looking at high altitude wind speeds and things like that. So this this thing is just packed with instrumentation to look at the atmosphere. And um, so here's a few weird things that have come up. So despite the fact that it's the largest recorded Martian vortex activity and dust devil tracks close to the lander, the lander oh, itself that's a sentence. Yes, ha- hasn't actually seen the dust devils itself, um, but 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 the instruments themselves can feel the little dust devils pulling on the surface. That's how sensitive it is. Uh, so this is what uh, Philip Legon said. He said, World rims are perfect for subsurface seismic exploration." So yes, they've been getting loads of data from these wow. dust devils. Um, causing, you know, seismic activity.
0: Well, talking of data, Matt, the meteorological measurements have produced a catalogue of atmospheric gravity waves and discovered Martian infrasound and unexpected similarities between atmospheric turbulence on Earth and Mars. There we go.
1: Yeah. So that that's that's interesting, isn't it? That it's uh, that the atmosphere sort of moves around in the same way as Earth and Mars. The magnetic side of the planet, though, this is interesting. So mm. uh, satellites have obviously been measuring the, the the magnetic fields in the crust for absolutely ages um, and the way yeah. that it kind of interacts with the solar wind. But, of course, it's not like the Earth that completely deflects the solar wind and keeps us safe. Mars has lost that. But um, yeah. this field is 10 times stronger as measured by InSight, than than was predicted by satellite-based models. So I think that's a big surprise. And Catherine Johnson, a planetary scientist at the University of British Columbia, said, this magnetism must be coming from ancient rocks underground. So the paper kind of infers... (laughs) What a hippie. Yeah, well, these papers are kind of inferring that the magnetised rocks are way below the surface. So within 150 kilometres of the landing site, there's these enormous magnetised rocks that um, are consistent with this sort of thinking that there was this past dynamo just like the Earth had or has now. So at one point, Mars used to have a very similar magnetic dynamo to the Earth. And uh, these, these geological mapping... And the insight seismic data suggests that uh, th- these that all these magnetized sources are carried in basement rock, which is at least four billion years old and has about two hundred meters to ten kilometers of lava flow on top of it. Jeez, yeah, that's old. Yeah, it's weird. So there's um, and there's these daily variations in the magnetic field as well that. Um, Seem to be caused by ionospheric currents at high altitude in the in the, in the Martian atmosphere.
0: It's weird you should say that because they are my favourite
1: currents. Mm. Sun dried. <laughs> well, I suppose they are, aren't they? Um, <laughs> so, and, yeah. and there's even higher frequency uh, variations, and no one knows what they are. So many things to still work out. But of course, Mars quakes is what everyone was excited about. Insight. Insight was the first. Yes. The first scientific instrument to measure a Mars quake. So, as of 30th September, when the scientists were writing these papers last year, 174 seismic events had been recorded, uh, and 20 of those events were over magnitudes three to four. None of them, none of them, stronger than three to four. Um, so, yes, those detections are consistent with tectonic origins and not impact induced. What's in activity? Words, yeah, so in other words, there is some form of activity. So, Mars is trembling, but it's slightly milder than expected, but it's more frequent than expected. Um, and one of the origins of the quakes. Uh, is this Kerberos Fossae, which is about a 1,000 miles to the east ah, of InSight. Yes. And the satellite images are showing all these faults and channels where uh, there was running water or lava flows. And the scientists have kind of worked out that that must have occurred in the last 10 million years due to the kind of, that there's no fresh impact craters nearby. So they are able to use some of this information to kind of age these areas and and work out what the hell's going on. That is exciting. My God. This Kerberos Fossi, as Matt Gollombeck from JPL said it's just about the youngest tectonic feature on the planet. The fact that we're seeing evidence of shaking in this region isn't a surprise, but it's very cool.
0: That is cool. Well done, Matt. Thanks. I was talking to Matt Gollenbeck. Oh, well done, you. Not me.
1: Oh, sorry. Yeah. He's got the same name as me, hasn't he? Uh, he (laughs) Yes. The core still to come. So, yes, we're still waiting for insight to build up enough data so that we can say whether the core of Mars is solid or whether it's liquid or molten, I should say. The Um, the amazing thing about this is that there's this radio. That uh, measures the wobble of Mars, so you can an X-band I radio, love a and, uh, yeah, and it and it and it's called Rise, the Rotation and Interior Structure Experiment, and that eventually, once uh, Mars has done a complete orbit of the Sun, will give us a uh, useful indication about whether the core is molten or solid. So it would, so the whole planet would wobble less if it's got a liquid core. Which kind of is, is intuitive. Crazy. It? So, the yeah. last thing, Jamie, is this the German built mole, the mole, the HP3, oh, yes. which, of course, has been trying to burrow away, but from day one, it got stuck. So, it's this little hammering mole, but it just keeps Bouncing back against the soil that's underneath, that isn't what they thought the soil was going to be like. It's this thing called dury crust so it's it's not fine and grainy. It's clumpy, and so this poor mole keeps bouncing at, bouncing back up. So they've been using the arm of the scoop to kind of press against the side of the little fella, but he's just still not going down. So soon they're going to be pressing down using the scoop. Onto the mole, and hopefully that will start whacking it in. But and and a lot of the press have been calling it a game of whack a mole, of course.
0: Oh, I see what Uh, they've done there.
1: Yeah, it's good. And uh, but I like to think of it as it's it's just like when you put a tent peg, isn't it? In when you're when you're going camping and you're banging in a tent peg, and sometimes you're whacking and it just won't go in, you hit a stone almost immediately, or you know, whatever a tree. A tree root or something, it just won't go in, and, and, and you hit it with the mallet and it bends the peg, and then that's it. And then other times you get a tent peg and it goes straight in, nice and easy. That's kind of what it's like. Oh, this it? is
0: it. This is life. It's a very good, very good life analogy there, Matt. Well done.
1: Thanks. Anyway, Jamie, I know you've got to go. So I'm really sorry. I've got to go,
0: everyone. But um it's been lovely talking to you, Matthew, as always.
1: Absolutely. I know. Uh, it's been
0: marvelous. Let's catch up soon.
1: Yes, absolutely, Jamie. It's been longer than I thought. Forty minutes. What the hell? Anyway, Jamie. Yeah. Where where can listeners go if they want to help us and help? There's us only one website. Is
0: <laughs> www.interplanetary.org.uk.
1: Thanks, everyone. If you can go there and go to Patreon and help us out, remember it's free. But but you could, if you enjoyed it, help us out. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Or. If you It'd don't want us. to give us some money, at least give us a nice five-star review on iTunes.
0: Yeah, it's the That'd least cool. you can do. Come on.
1: That'd be cool. Uh, uh, yes, listenership's been up fantastically, so thank you very much, everyone. And I love you all. I've got to go. Okay, bye-bye, Bye. Jamie. Have a, have a good time. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.